Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Is anyone out there, uh, you, you would know what I'm talking about when this year, when this time of year, sorry, is all about resolutions. You know, yes, you, know, you guys know what I'm on about, the beginning of the year, resolutions, right? Except like, in this room, you, you're probably sitting in either one of two camps when it comes to resolutions. You either love them or you hate them. You either love them because you love making resolutions, or you go, no one ever sticks to their resolutions, so I think that they're the silliest thing ever, and it's so annoying that everyone makes this deal every single year. January 1st is just another day. It's not a different day, so why are you making resolutions? Just start it middle of the year, and you go on this massive tangent in your head because you are frustrated that people don't keep their resolutions. Or maybe you made resolutions this year, and it's already beginning to slip, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you've already kind of given up on your resolutions, or maybe you're holding strong, but resolutions right, are inherently a good thing. Can we all agree on that this morning, yeah? Resolutions are inherently a good thing. Really what resolution is, is going, hey, I'm either going to do something or not do it based on my previous experiences. What it's going is going, hey, I want to better myself and better my life. And so I'm going to look at it and go, what needs to change in order for me to step into something new? So resolutions in and of itself are inherently good. But resolutions happen when you look at the year previous. Resolutions only happen when you look at where you have been, not just where you want to go, right? For instance, right, a resolution might be, man, I ordered so much Uber Eats last year that I'm going to stop using Uber Eats. I'm going to delete that app, right? Or maybe some of you are going, man, my resolution for this year is going, man, I'm going to watch way less TV, because you binge watched 39 shows on eight different streaming platforms last year and are paying for each and every single one of them as well. But our resolutions happen to where we've just been, the year just been, and where we have been is why we make resolutions forward. So my question to us this morning is this, how was your year last year spiritually? Because often we make resolutions about our diet, or we make resolutions about our time, or we make resolutions about what we're, what we're going to pursue after. But I want to stop and go, hey, what did your 2020 look like spiritually? What did it look like spiritually? And as I begin to think about it, I feel like most of us in this room, if we're honest, would fall into probably one of three categories. We'd be, we're, the first one would be spiritually indifferent. If we looked at our 2020, we would say, hey, we're probably spiritually indifferent. We're kind of neutral. We didn't really pursue it. Really, like, we weren't really involved in it that much. We didn't really chase after it. And as a result, it was just kind of whatever happened in life just happened. And so you got that camp. And then you got spiritually inconsistent, right? Where, where some days you would wake up and you're like, man, I'm going to be on fire for Jesus. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to read 39 chapters of the Bible today alone. And you, you just wake up ready to tackle the world. But then the next day... You lose, you lose your, your temper at someone and, and you don't pick up your Bible for the next week because you just start to spiral. And then there's a third category which is spiritually involved, which basically I would just describe as going, hey, just going, man, Jesus, I want you to be involved in my life on an everyday level and I want to walk with you and with purpose every single day. If we're honest, all of us would fit into one of those three categories. And if we really got honest this morning, I know it's church and it's a crazy thing to think about for us to get really honest in church. But if we really got honest this morning, a lot of us would feel that we fell into either the spiritually indifferent or the spiritually inconsistent category. 
It would take a very brave person to say, hey, I was spiritually involved last year every single day. I was in it. I was feeling great. I was chasing after God in every single moment. I did not have a season or a month or a week or even a moment where I doubted or questioned. And the reality is that we're going to stop and go, no, no, that's not the, the likely truth because we're all humans. And we're probably living in either spiritual indifference or spiritual inconsistency. But see, this isn't the plan and the desire that God has for you and me. It's not based on his word. That's not what we read. He actually wants us to be spiritually involved with him on a daily basis. And if I switch the question to not what was your year last year, but what do you want your year to look like this year? Most of us in this room, if not all of us, would say, hey, we want to be spiritually involved. Because if God is real and if he is who he says he is, right? If he actually is the creator of the universe, man, I want to be involved with him. I want to do life with him on a regular basis. I want to make sure I get up in the morning and I'm spending time with him. I want to go, God, whatever you have in store for me, that's what I want. And yet we're, we're living in a world and a generation and a time where most Christians, we're not chasing spiritual involvement, but we're living in spiritual inconsistency or indifference. So my question is, if we want that, why don't we walk in it? I think it's a fair question, you know, because we want it, right? But why don't we walk in it? If we want to be spiritually involved with God, why do we find ourselves at the end of 2020 going, man, I feel like I was spiritually inconsistent? What about it is, because if we don't stop and ask the question, nothing is ever going to change, by the way. If you don't stop and actually address why it landed the way it landed, you'll never be able to change it so that it doesn't land there again. So the question is why? And I think the number one reason is because we have an enemy who likes to cause distraction in our life. See, we start off the year, as all resolutions do, we start off really passionate and excited. We start off full of energy and going, man, we're going to tackle this year. We're going we're gonna to do so well. We're going to be so consistent in it. And then as the year progresses... Our work picks up a little bit. Maybe sport is reintroduced into the kid's life and we're having to do far more lifts. Maybe all these things start to come up and what happens as a result is that we begin to be distracted and as a result start to live in inconsistency. And the reason is because we have a very real enemy who does not want you to have a relationship with Jesus. Have you ever stopped and thought, man, the fact that like the enemy is trying to destroy your relationship is because he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? And he knows what it's like without a relationship with Jesus. And he goes, hey, if I'm going down, you're coming down with me. But it's really easy to say no to something that goes, man, I don't want you to have a relationship with God. You're like, yeah, well, no, I'm good, thanks. So he comes in the form of distraction. And he shifts your gaze. And and he goes, hey, what about this opportunity? Because the enemy will keep you physically busy in order to keep you spiritually dull. The enemy will encourage you to be physically busy in order to keep you spiritually dull. We live in a world that celebrates busyness. I guarantee you, even maybe today, you ask someone, hey, how you doing? And they'll be like, man, I've been busy. We're like three weeks into 2021, everyone. But the reality is we live in a world that celebrates busyness. But when you read the Bible, God doesn't celebrate busyness. He celebrates doing life spiritually together. And so my question is, where have we allowed distraction to cause us to be busy to land us in a place where we're spiritually dull? If we want to be spiritually involved, we have to ask ourselves, what is distracting us? We actually see this in the Bible. It's incredible. In Revelations 2, uh, 
chapter 2, sorry, verse 2 to 5 in the NLT, it says this. This is um, a letter addressed to the Ephesians church, and uh, it's actually Jesus writing this letter. And this is what he says. He goes, hey, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't, don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Man, this is sounding great so far. This is sounding, man, God, we're picking up our cross on a daily basis and we're following. That's what it sounds like. And then Jesus says this, but this complaint I have against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. The Ephesians church were too busy doing good that they lost their first love. My question for us this morning is how many of us are too busy, maybe even doing good, that we've lost the God element in our day-to-day life? How many of us have gone, said yes to too much, and as a result, we become spiritually dull for what God is trying to do in our life? He wants us to have a life which is spiritually involved because God is not done. When we are phys- physically busy, we become spiritually dull. This is such a true representation of us. See, we have to learn if we want this year to be a year where we're spiritually involved with God, we've got to make sure we're returning to our first love. And I know that for a lot of people, this may sound almost elementary, right? It may sound almost, man, this is like really beginner level stuff. But I want to remind you of the fact that when Jesus was sitting and all these kids came around and the disciples says, hey, get the kids away from him. Jesus goes, no, no, kingdom of heaven belongs to the kids. In other words, spiritual maturity isn't the journey of growing up. It's it's the journey of becoming childlike in our faith and our responses, yeah? So this may sound elementary, but I'll tell you what, if you grab a hold of it, it will actually unlock your year and allow you to walk in step with God far better than you've ever walked before. This is what it's all about. We need to return to our first love. What do I mean by that? I remember when me and Ashari, before we even started dating, right? I was living in Canberra. She was living down here in Adelaide. It's, a, it's an incredible love story. Someone should write a song about it one day. I tried, it did not work. Um, but what we should do, I was, uh, I was living in Canberra, sorry, and I flew down for a conference here. And uh, we came to this conference. We had a great time. And throughout this conference, I was hanging a lot around this really awesome girl whose name was Ashari. And I was like, man, she is really cool. And as we spent more time together and as we chatted more, chatted about God things and what we felt like God had called us to and called each other to, I went home right? I flew home, right? This is, this is a flight back to Canberra. And so I'm on the flight home to pick up. And my, my parents are at the airport and my dad picks me up and he's like, why are you smiling so much? And I was like, dad, we got to talk. And I remember so vividly sitting down in his study at home, sitting down on the floor with this massive grin across my face, looking like a complete idiot and going, man, this girl is different. This girl is different. Dad, I have to do something about this. I need to like, pursue this girl. There is something different about her. That was my first moment. And as a result, it changed the way I spoke and the way I acted towards her. So what happened is that I would call her way more. All of a sudden, every single day after school, I was on the phone to her for like three hours, right? Not even talking about anything at some points. You know, you're just doing things and you're like, what you thinking about? It's like, not much. What about you? Not much. But that was the best thing ever. You're laughing because you do the same thing and you know it. 
It's not just me. Please let it not just be me. <laughs> I would spend hours on the phone to her. We even did this whole watching the movie at the same time thing, right? When you get long distance, you have to get creative with dates, all right? Like FaceTime becomes a little bit boring after a while. So what we did, we got the same movie and we played it at the same time. time and we had each other on FaceTime watching the movie, right? So we were on FaceTime watching each other watch the same movie at the same time. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Change the way I acted. I would send her gifts. I would put these, these care, what I call care packages together, right? I would get a box and I would get all these labels and I would think about what she would love and I would send them to her and I would send flowers. It changed everything about what I did. Changed everything about it. And you know what? The same happened when I met Jesus. I can tell you, I remember it so clearly. I reckon I was about in year, I think I was in year three. And I was listening to this, uh, this radio short show sorry, called Adventures in Odyssey. I don't know if anyone knows what that is or even remembers that, but it seems like it's only a me thing. But I remember so clearly, right, it would be this radio story. So they would tell this story, and it was a Christian one. And I remember sitting there one day and just start bawling my eyes out. As, he, as in year three, I started bawling my eyes out. And Dad came home, and he's like, well, Dad, what's going on? And I just knew. I was like, Dad, I need to accept Jesus into my life. I need to accept him into my life. And I remember my dad doing the salvation prayer with me and then baptizing me in one of our friends' pool that we went over. And had, it was amazing. And you're three, and I still remember it to this day because it changed everything about my life. But see, as we grow up and as we get older and as life picks up, we get a bit distracted. We get a bit distracted with the doing and we forget our first love. Pastor Tony says it this way when it comes to marriages or relationships. In order what you, what you did to get the girl, you've got to do to keep the girl. Let me put it this way. Your first encounter with Jesus and what you did as a result of that, you should be doing every day since to keep that relationship with him. Jesus never goes anywhere. We do. He doesn't go anywhere. We do. We've got to return to our first love. What are some indicators that maybe we've forgotten our first love? Take these down, take these notes down, and maybe uh, one of these might speak out to you. And if that is the case, hey, I just want to say first and foremost, no condemnation, because whenever Jesus brings correction, it's an invitation to change, not condemnation, yeah? And so if you feel anything tugging in your heart, that's not condemnation, that's Jesus going, hey, I've got more in store for you, I've got better in store for you, and so we're going to address this thing and change it to make sure you're more in design with what I plan for you, right? So a few of the indicators that we've forgotten our first love. We find ourselves being cynical of others. If you find yourself looking at other people and being cynical and always going, nah, they are in the wrong, they've done something wrong, they've got an X motive, and etc. If you find yourself always being cynical about someone, you haven't returned to your first love recently. Because like Pastor Ash said a few weeks ago, the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. And if you're always looking at people with a cynical eye, you have forgotten your first love. We've forgotten our first love if we can't remember the last time we forgave someone. If you can't remember the last time you forgave someone, you've forgotten your first love. You need to return to it because the Bible is very clear about forgiveness. And I think sometimes as a church and as Christians, we're very good about putting a mask up saying that we live in forgiveness when really we've got a hurt deep inside our heart that we really need to start addressing because it's not killing anyone else besides our relationship with Jesus. Come on, if you can't remember the last time you forgave, maybe, just maybe, you need to return to your first love. If our compassion doesn't have an action attached to it, then we need to return back to our first love. I was reading uh, this week in Matthew when Jesus steps off the boat 
after going through a storm, and there's a massive crowd waiting for him. And it says, he had compassion on them, and so he spoke to them, and so he preached, and so he healed them. See, his compassion led to action. If we have compassion, but it doesn't lead to anything, then maybe, just maybe, we've forgotten our first love. Maybe we've forgotten our first love if we aren't feeding ourselves with the Word on a daily basis. If you can't remember the last time you opened your Bible and read the Word of God and got something out of it for your day and for what you're going through, maybe you've actually forgotten your first love. We've indicated that we've forgotten our first love is when church becomes a chore and all about what we want. Instead of coming and worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in unity with God's people. Another, uh, the last potential indicator that I have this morning, there's far more, but I just want to keep it to a short list, is that prayer is not our first response. Prayer is not our first response. How do we know when we need to return to, the, to our first love? When we don't turn to prayer first either. If you're going through something, your first indicator is not to go, God, I need you right now. God, I need you. And, and spend some time in prayer. Maybe you've forgotten your first love. But it's okay because we all find ourselves in that place. The only reason I feel like I can speak on this right now is because I feel like God's addressed it in me time and time again and probably will address it in me many, many more times as well because we're all humans. We all get distracted and we all drift. And so what what does returning and remembering our first love look like? Because when we do, we believe the best in people. We live with an interruptible timetable and we also believe and pray for the impossible, right? So what does that look like? How do we actually do that? How do we return to our first love, Dan? Because it's all well and good you saying this, but what, 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 what should we do? What should we do? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says this, But seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God and all things because really when we're walking with God and when we get distracted, it's not because of the fact that we go, God, like we don't want anything to do with you. It's because we think we have to chase other things in order to get them. We think we need to chase the more income in order to make sure we can get the house. We think we need to chase uh, more time or, or whatever it might be. But reality is, is that the Bible says in Matthew 6 that say, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and he will give you everything else that you need. He will give it to you. And so we don't need to be distracted by what's to our left or to our right. We just need to seek God and He will provide it. He will provide it. Why do we know that? Because it's in the Word of God. It's in the Bible. That's what we believe. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. When we put God first, we return to our first love. We don't need to get distracted. So how do we apply this, right? How do we apply that? Because you go seek first. That's all well and good then. But what does that actually look like? Well, I've got a few points I would love to take you through. And what I want to encourage you, if you want 2021 to be a year where you're spiritually involved, where you're spiritually involved, you're not just indifferent or inconsistent, but involved, I want to encourage you to do these five things that I've got, uh, that I'm about to share with you this year. And you will have the best year with God that you've ever had. Notice how I didn't say you will have a perfect year with no problems. I didn't say that. I said you will have the best year with God that you've ever had. doesn't mean you won't face any problems, but it means when problems do arise, you'll be walking with someone who is greater than that problem, and you'll be able to address it accordingly, yeah? And so I want to encourage you with these five things. And so if you're taking notes, number one, how do we return to our first love? How do we seek the kingdom of God first? Number one, we put him first in our day. 
For taking notes, write this down. We put him first in our day. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitude place where he prayed. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Can we just stop and think about that for a second? If Jesus, the Son of God, saw the importance of getting up first thing of his day and going, God, I'm going to go spend it with you. I'm going to make you my priority. If Jesus, the Son of God, did that, how much more me and you? How much more should we be doing that? On a regular basis, should we be getting up in the morning and actually giving our first to God? Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want you to be legalistic about this, right? I don't want you to be legalistic. Some of you may find that in the middle of the day, that's where God speaks to you so clearly, right? Some of you may find that, and that is awesome, and I celebrate that. I'm going, hey, make that a priority. What I'm talking about is making God a priority in your day. Making you a priority. See, for me, like, I can't wake up and the first thing I do is read the Bible, right? Because I take so long to wake up, <laughs> Ask my wife. <laughs> she is like, Dan, what the heck? It takes you so long. But for me, what I found helpful is I get up, I go downstairs, I put the kettle on, right? Because I have to read the Bible with a cup of tea. I don't know why. It's just part of who I am. And then I go up and have a shower so I feel refreshed and I'm awake. And then I go grab my tea and I sit down and I read my Bible. That's how I do it in the mornings. That's how I know I'm going to get the most out of my relationship with God. You may find a different way, but I want to encourage you, put God first in your day. And if you've never tried doing it first thing in the day, do it first thing in the day. What have you got to lose? The worst thing that's going to happen is that you just get a better sleeping routine because you're waking up earlier and going to bed earlier. So that's the worst thing that's going to happen. The best thing is that you start to get revelation out of the Word, and it changes the way you walk in that day. And you get words for people who are at work or for people that you are meeting with because what you read in the morning is exactly the situation that someone asks you about. See, this is how God works. If we don't pick up our weapon, which is the Bible, how on earth are we going to do battle with the powers and principalities of this world? You've got to pick up the word. Give your first, right? And, and, and actually pray as well. Don't just read the Bible. Actually have discussion with God. And when I say pray, I don't just mean talk to him. Mean, I mean have a conversation, right? So when I pray, this is what I do. I sit there with my hands open just like this. And, I, and before I read my Bible, I just say, hey, I say, God, I just thank you so much for this day. I pray that you would reveal to me something in your word that I need. Not that I want, that I need I want to clarify that. Sometimes we look in the Bible for what we want to see, not what we need to see. And as a result, we don't hear the voice of God because he's trying to address something that we're trying to ignore. But I say, what do you want me to see? I say, what do I need to see, God? What do you want for me, not do I want for me? And I pray that you'll be able to help me interpret it. And so then I sit there and I've got my journal and I write about it. I highlight something that stands out and I go, cool, I'm going to write about that. And so I begin to write then how that applies to my life. And then I pray about it afterwards as well. But in my prayer, I also have time to stop and listen and hear what God has to say to me about what's going on. Come on, let's devote our first of our day to God. Because if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. There's another thing I would say. If you miss a day, it's okay. Don't miss two. We get in this weird cycle, right? Where we miss a day and we go... 
I have to wait now till Monday comes around because that's when all good routines start. And so I've missed one day, so I'm going to miss another three, and then I'm going to pick it up on Monday again, and then, then I'll be consistent from then. Never works. If you miss a day, that's, hey, don't, don't dwell on the fact because God's grace is very real, first and foremost. And it's not like he's like, oh, well, I've got a second-rate plan for your life now. No, no, he still has an incredible plan and purpose for your life. Just pick up the Bible the next day. Or if you remember and it's late at night and you didn't do it in the morning, hey, that's all good. Just go pick up the Bible and spend time with Jesus. It's not about the time. It's about the fact that he wants to spend time with you. And we should be spending time with him. So number one, put him first in your day. Number two, put him first in your week. In your week. See, Acts chapter 20 verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, we came together. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold unservingly to the hope we profess. For we... Uh, so sorry, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. If you want to know if church is God's plan, it says it right there. We get together and we gather together because it's part of his plan for this world. And Sunday is the first part of the week. And church, if you want to have a spiritually involved life, should be a priority of your week. Not because we're like, you have to be here, but because the word of God says it. And the bride of Christ, which is the church, if you love God, you will love the bride. Not to mention, the Bible is very clear that when there is unity, things shift. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and anointed all the disciples, the only thing that they all had in common was the fact that they were there together. They were there together. There is power in unity, and God does things differently in unity. He, the Trinity exists in unity. God's all about relationship and church. Church is not about me coming and just getting what I need. Church is about the people who are walking in those doors who maybe God's going, hey, you need to get in their life. You need to be a friend to them. You need to help them walk through because guess what? Your story looks exactly like their story. You know how many times God used my testimony to be able to help people? Part of my testimony is at one stage I was addicted to pornography and, and in my teenage years was living in that for so long. And God took me on a journey and I got healed from that and I made some really intentional choices to break free of that. But you would be surprised at how many people go through the same thing. And God has used my testimony to break the chains of shame off of that so people would actually enter into a dialogue so they can actually receive healing from Jesus. But here's the thing, your testimony does the same thing. That's the, exactly the same thing when we share it. Church is a place where we do life together. The two greatest commandments are love God, love people, both which happen at church, by the way. We worship God and we love people and we do it together. Church is important. Give God the first of your week. Start your week off with worship. Start your week off with worship. The Bible says better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day here. Come on, let's return to our first love. Let's put him first, not only in our day, but in our week. Number three, you may not like this one as much, but I'm going to say it anyways because it's biblical. Number three, put him first in your finance. There was a lot less response in that one. A lot less. Put him first in your finance. Dan, it's easy for you to say that because you're a pastor. No, no, I put God first in my finance long before I was ever employed by the church. Long before. You know, tithing is actually a New and Old Testament principle. 
Leviticus 27 verse 30, this is in the Old Testament, it says, One-tenth of the, the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. In other words, tithing is actually worship. That's what they're saying. They're saying, hey, this belongs to God, and it's actually worship when we come and offer it back to him. But then in Matthew 23, verse 23, this is Jesus talking about uh, the Pharisees, and he goes, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes. See, we read the first part of that, and we're like, see, Jesus didn't like tithing. Jesus, he said, hey, hey, mercy, faith, and love are most important. No, 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 you're missing the point. He said, no, no, tithing is good, but don't forget about X, Y, and Z. In other words, you may have a lot of faith, but Jesus' response to you might be, hey, faith is good, but make sure you tithe as well. See, God is all about bringing tension of the Bible into our life. That's what it's about. And so I want to encourage you, tithing is a new and Old Testament principle, and it's not a business transaction. It's actually a spiritual transaction. Because we're saying, God, you have the first in all areas of my life. You are Lord, not just Savior. You is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. You are Lord of my whole life. And this is the thing that I know. Whenever I put God first in my finance, me and Ashari have always been better off. Every single time. I can't tell you the amount of times that God has done things, moved things through people or just through situations and circumstances that have landed us better off than what we were before. It's crazy. I remember when I first moved down to Adelaide, I didn't have a job when I first moved down. I was trying to find it. And I just remember God so clearly said to me, Dan, I want you to continue tithing. I want you to continue tithing because it's an attitude of the heart, not a response to an income. And so I began to do that, and God looked after me. There were so many times where I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but God came through and did what only He can do. And as a result, I was like, God, you are so good. You are so good. Come on, put them first in your finance, church. Put them first in your finance. Let's invite Jesus into our budgets for 2021. As a first, not as a last resort, but as the first person to speak into it. Go, Jesus, what do you want my year to look like financially? I'm going to surrender it to you, and then we outwork it. He is far better at it than we are. So put them first in your finance. Number four, put them first in your relationship as the band comes up. That would be awesome. Put them first in your relationships. In your marriage, put God first. Do you remember the last time you and your wife or you and your husband got together and prayed together? Actually sat there and go, no, no, we're going to take this time to pray together and put God first within our marriage. The Bible says a strand of three quarters, not easily broken, right? It's the, the scripture that's used at a lot of weddings. But my question is, are you keeping that three chord strand in place, or are you making more of a two-chord strand? Come on, invite Jesus back into your marriage. Worship together. Pray together. Do devotions together. Hold each other accountable to the Word of God. Actually go, no, we're here to make each other better. That is how we invite Jesus back in to our marriages. And I realize you're going, Dan, you're newly married. You, you don't have much experience in that. I know, but let my, my faith and my passion infect you because I realize life can get tough and I realize I haven't seen a lot of life just yet. But what I do know is I have a faith and a passion in God that I want to remain the same forever. And if you don't have that, that's okay. Borrow some of mine. 
borrow some of mine because I believe in it for you because God has more in store for you. He did not design you to have a boring, dull life. No, no, He designed you to have a passionate, full life. And He wants to do life with you. He wants to do life in your marriage. He wants to do life in your friendships. Pray for your friends. Pray for them. Every day, pray for them. They're your friends. Pray for your family. Forgive your family. Forgive your family. It says in Matthew 5, verse 23, So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, Go and be reconciled with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. God cares about unity. He cares about your family. Let's not be more divisive than God has called us to be. Let's not hold on to because we think, A, I'm right and B, they're wrong. No, 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 no. The gospel is all about crossing over and relationship. You may be right. They may be wrong. It doesn't matter. It's, all up to, it's up to us to make sure that we're holding ourselves accountable to the Word of God. Their response is on them, but it's on you to leave the sacrifice at the altar and go and try and reconcile with them. Come on, God has more stuff for them, but let's put Him first in our relationships. All of them. Let's put Him first in it. Married couples, can I, can I encourage you? I, like I said before, I know I'm young and I know I'm only four years into marriage and I know I have a lot that yet to see and, and have kids and all that, but I want to remind you of your first love that you had for one another. Because me and Ashari feel like we're still living in that a lot. And I want to remind you, hey, invite Jesus back into it. He brought you together for such a time as this. He brought you together for a reason, so bring Him back into your relationship and prioritize time with Him. Put Him first in your day, in your week, in your finance, in your relationships. And lastly, put Him first in your decision-making. Put Him first in your decision-making. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. It's an incredible plan, a plan with a, an amazing, the Bible actually says it this way, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, the, what, uh, no mind has imagined what God has in store for those who love Him. See, when you do life with God, He's got a far greater plan than you can even imagine. See, God is not done with you, and He's not done with victory. He is not done with Adelaide. He's not done with your workplace. He's got a far greater plan, but there needs to be a spiritual involvement on our behalf, and we need to put Him first in our decision-making. In other words, we need to learn to choose what we want most over what we want now. We need to learn to choose what we want most over what we want now. Because I want Jesus. But man, sometimes my flesh goes, no, no, but you want this now. And there's a battle that takes place. And sometimes I think I can fight that by myself. And how wrong am I? 
Because when I go to Jesus and get down on my knees and I go, God, I know I want this. I want you. I want to do life with you. But I'm finding this tough. It's incredible. He doesn't come and condemn me. He doesn't come and give me a stern word. He comes and goes, Dan, I know I've got you. Let's go and do this together. God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. You're not done yet. God has more in store for you. There is more ahead of you. But it comes on the back of us wanting to be spiritually involved with God on a daily basis. We've got to return to our first love. We've got to stop making about the doing and start making about the being a Christian. When people look at you, do they see a Christian? Do they see Christ? When they look at you, if they don't, maybe it's because we need to return to our first love and do what we did at first. I wonder if you could stand with me, church. I wonder if you guys can come and take this pulpit away for me. That would be awesome. In just a moment, we're going to sing. It's an incredible song. I love this song. It's a powerful song. It's all about returning back to the heart of what it's all about. Because we have an opportunity to return to our first love. Jesus. It's all about Him. And maybe you felt like something hit you and you were like, man, this is the way I identify what God is kind of putting His finger on in my life. The thing I'm the most defensive about is often the thing that God's speaking to me the most about. So if today at any point you found yourself getting defensive, so my, my goal is not to try and attack. God's goal is not to try and attack. No, no, He wants to help come in and, and be the master craftsman and allow Him to work and be a surgeon, do what He does. But it takes a surrender from us. It takes a letting go from us. So one of you guys can all close your eyes. Not because there's anything super spiritual about closing your eyes, just because it eliminates distraction and we focus in on the one it's all about. And I want you to have a moment where you get real before God. And you start to return to the first love. Maybe you've made it about the doing. Or maybe you've made it about the being at a certain place at a certain time. But Jesus goes, no, 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 I want the first love. I want your heart. He wants us to come back. He wants us to come back. There is healing when we come back. There's forgiveness when we come back. There's grace when we come back. Turn to the first love. Turn to the first love. Jesus, it's all about you, Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 